This is a young team. We're on the cusp. They're hungry to get better. Pierce running right. Spin move. Barrels his way down to the 41-yard line. What a run by Pierce. These are the type of guys, the type of men that we want in our locker room. Intercepted. Christian Harris. Game day is every day. Love the energy. Picked off by Stingley. <laughs> Petrie. Texans have the ball on the pick. And if you want it, you got to go work. Now it's Texans All Access. Hello, Texans. We are working tonight live from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio, the mobile studio. Mark Vandermeer with you with John Harris and the General John McClain. Excited to get into it tonight as we have a lot to discuss. I'm back and I missed you last week, General, who joins us every Thursday night. Now, next week we're going to work out, General. We have to talk about this offline because next week's a weird week. Uh, the business office is closed for the Houston Texans, not the ticket office. That'll always be open forever, so you don't have to worry about that. But let's get into this right now because it was an AFC South. I don't want to call it a news bomb day, but I guess it kind of is. I called it a news dart day. But it's bombs to the teams involved with the Colts getting two players suspended and then cutting them. And we'll get into the Titans situation and the Jags situation in just a moment, General. But your thoughts on Rashad Berry and Isaiah Rogers Sr., both suspended and released by Indianapolis. And then we'll get into the rest of it later, like Nicholas petit Ferrer for the Titans. Well, None of those guys have anything to do with the success or failure of those franchises this season. If they did, they wouldn't have cut him. You know, if it was uh, if it was Jonathan Taylor, you think they would have cut him? Of course they wouldn't have. And uh, same thing with the Jaguars. The only big news that I've heard that could hurt a team is Cam Robinson, the uh, offensive tackle from uh, the Jaguars being suspended for four games for PED violations. You know, the guys know the rules. Some of them some of them are kind of like, you know, uh, geranium brains and they can't figure it out. But if you break the rules, you're going to pay the penalty. If the NFL really wanted to end the problem, they would tell every employee, you cannot bet on anything, anytime, as long as you work for the NFL. That's the way it used to be. And you didn't have these issues. But now because they're bringing in so many billions of dollars, and I've heard it's hypocritical. No, it's not hypocritical. Players are making more money, and part of that's because of gambling. The league makes money. The salary cap goes up. Players get paid more. And the rules are clear. And if you can't figure them out, that's your problem. General, the problem for the Jacksonville Jaguars is Cam Robinson, which is not gambling, it's PEDs, but it's four games, and oh, by the way, the Texans go to Jacksonville in week three, so it looks, as of now, as if Cam Robinson may not be in that game. They did draft Anton Harrison, and he's going to be, I would think, the left tackle or the right tackle of the future, but that, of all the AFC South goings-on today, General, that was the one, to me, that kind of caught my eye, like, okay, Cam Robinson, left tackle, that's a, it's not a death knell for the Jaguars, but for four games and a schedule for the Jaguars, that's a lot tougher than it's been. What do you think the impact of losing him for those four games will be? Well, first of all, he won't be playing against the Texans because he's suspended for four games. And so that means we won't get to see him against Will Anderson Jr. I can't wait to see Will Anderson taking on all the offensive tackles that the Texans go against. I haven't been – I'm more fired up about – Will Anderson, than any defensive player they drafted since Jadeveon Clowney, who, of course, was first overall and then had that terrible 
uh, knee, knee uh, what was it, microfracture surgery yes. and yes. other uh, subsequently other surgeries. I felt terrible for him, but we were all pumped to see Clowney, who was supposed to be, you know, the God's gift. And I remember Clowney told me one time, everybody keeps talking about me as a pass rusher. I'm better against the run. And he was telling the truth. And uh, so I can't remember because Robinson had the knee injury two years ago, right? And he came back last season. So they haven't had him a whole bunch. But uh, anytime you're a starting tackle and you're out for whatever reason, it has to have an effect on your team. Maybe Harrison will be able to step up and uh, replace him and do a good job. What about Petit Ferrer, though? Right tackle. The Titans need all the help they can get on the O-line. This is six games, and he's one of those guys that you're not going to cut. You'll go ahead and suffer through the suspension, especially since it's not indefinite, and take your lumps early, get him back in the fold. Your thoughts on that situation, and in general, General, on the Titans' offensive line construction, because if they hit that right – they could have some success here with Derrick Henry, whatever's left of him. Ryan Tannehill, run it back. You never know. Your thoughts. I spent last weekend in Nashville at the funeral of Bob. I had long-time oiler and Titans executive, and I saw a lot of people I hadn't seen in a while, former people with the Titans, guys like Dan Pastorini, Robert Vasile, Elvin Bethay, Willie Alexander, Larry Moriarty. Players went up there to pay their respects. Amy Adams drunk had it at uh, the stadium. So I got a lot of people. And then I went out with friends Friday and Saturday night who were all big Titans fans and listened to them. And it's funny, everybody's so fired up about the Texans. People up there are very skeptical. They're fired up about their new stadium. They got $1.3 billion in public money, and they showed me where it's going to go in the parking lot. But, you know, they're skeptical about Will Levis. They're skeptical about Ryan Tannehill. Their offensive lines had to, been, had to have been totally rebuilt. But as long as they can run block, and you got Derrick Henry, and Tannehill was 6-6 six and six and started until he got hurt last year. Jacksonville ended up winning division nine and eight. If Daniel had played seventeen games, they might have finished nine and eight. That AJ people up there are still complaining about the AJ Brown trade, and I don't blame them because AJ <laughs> Brown took so much pressure off Derrick Henry. So there's a lot of pressure on the guy they drafted from Arkansas, Traylon Burks, to to really emerge in his second season and do a reasonable impersonation of Brown. They've got a good defense, not great, but it's good enough. And uh, and so that's going to carry them. They want to control the ball with Derrick Henry. But if they don't have any receivers that can hurt people down the field like, like Brown did, and the Texans know that better than anybody, then Derrick Henry, they're going to load up the box against him and pound him and try to wear him down over 17 games. So uh, they think they can compete for the division. But, uh, boy, the, the people up there that I talk to are very skeptical. And then they'd ask me about the Texans, and I said, people are fired up like crazy about the Texans because of D'Amico Ryan, C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson Jr., and Damian Pierce and players like that. And those guys get great respect from the fans up there because they watched Will Anderson in the SEC. They know how great a prospect he was. And everybody has respect for Pierce because of his style of running. And I told him, wait till you see this 5'8", 165-pound rookie slot receiver named Tank. 
you're going to get a big kick out of him too. Yeah, no doubt. General, bridging the gap between kind of our, our theme here and that being gambling issues and the AFC South, Calvin Ridley hasn't played in a while. But Jaguars made a deal mm. for him last year when he was suspended, and now he has been cleared. He is back. I think it's probably hard to know exactly what his impact could be. But if Calvin Ridley is what we kind of think he is, and that's bordering between a one and a two, how good can Jacksonville's passing game be adding Calvin Ridley to a group that includes Christian Kirk and Zay Jones? It can be better. What are the odds that Zay Jones is going to do what he did last year? You know, their free agent signings, Jones and Kirk, were paid off. Everybody thought they overpaid. Well, they won the division. They helped Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence in his third year looks like he's ready to make that jump into the elite status with so many of these other great young AFC quarterbacks. And I think Calvin Ridley helped him. He's never been a great receiver. He's been a good receiver. You remember he had to take a while off with the mental health issues, and he got suspended for a season. So it may take him a while to get back. He's got to be hungry excited and he can help that offense and when you got Trevor Lawrence throwing the ball uh that's going to make it even better for him because quarterback like Lawrence can make a lot of receivers look good and that's one thing they're hoping with CJ Stroud even though he's a rookie he can help some of these receivers look good because right now you know his receivers were better at Ohio State but somebody could emerge with him throwing him the ball all right, General, I was playing pickup basketball this week, and I, I'm back for the first time in a long time. The guys were asking me, well, what about receiver? Who's going to lead this team in catches this year, the Houston Texans? Who's going to step up and do it? Is it the veteran Robert Woods? Is it a healthy Nico Collins? Is it somebody else? Thoughts? First of all, Robert Woods is two years removed from the torn ACL. He was off to another great start almost halfway through that season with the Rams when he blew out his knee. Then the Titans get him back, and he's not all the way back. And now the Texans get him. He's 31. One of the reasons they like him, he fits in the mold of what Ryan's soul have to have. Wide receivers who will block. If they don't at least make the effort, they're not going to play, and he's a good blocker. Noah Brown had a really good offseason program, 6'2", 225. He's been with the Cowboys, what, five years? Last year was his best season. He signed here. I thought it was a terrific signing. He can play inside or outside. Nico Collins, Nico, I use this uh, analogy. To me, it's like getting a hot apple pie out of the refrigerator, out of the oven, giving you one bite and pulling it away, and you don't get any more. He flashes, teases you, <laughs> gives you a little, then he gets hurt. It is a big season for him. If he plays well, he'll get an extension. But if he gets hurt, then he's going to have to do it all in his last year. So hopefully what we've seen of him flashing, he can stay healthy and be more consistent. I'm also fired up about Xavier Hutchinson, who I watched in the Big 12, I think six catches last year, made big play after big play down the field. He made a few really good catches down the field, leaping. You know, he's not a burner, but neither was DeAndre Hopkins, which is why Hopkins was available so late in the first round when the Texans selected him. And you'd love to the, the inside guys, Magic, Dell. You know, we can't forget Amari Rodgers. He flashed last year when he came from Green Bay. So they've got – guys that uh, 
have a chance to emerge and help Stroud, they're going to run the ball a lot. And I bet Devin Singletary has a lot of catches out of the backfield. Dalton Schultz only have catches tight end. So they want a balance, and they got to, all those guys are not equal in experience, not equal in ability, but they all have an equal chance with a rookie quarterback. And I think Robert Woods will be his go-to guy because Robert's a veteran. He's he's been really good at times in his career. He works with the quarterbacks. I think he's going to feel comfortable with him in clutch situations. Third and four, look for Woods for five yards. Third and 12, look for Woods for 13 yards. And I think Robert Woods will end up having the most catches. All right, General, I'm going to ask a question without asking a question, okay? How is the yeah. other cornerback spot opposite Derek Stingley going to play out? <laughs> well, uh, in case anybody missed it, uh, Stephen Nelson did what I think is a really stupid thing. Number one, he missed the offseason program when he's in the last year of his contract. He's 30 years old, going into his ninth season. That's not the time to stay out when you have a new coaching staff. It is legal. It's non-mandatory. But I'll guarantee you if something comes down, it's a tie. They're taking a guy that busted his butt here in the off season, And then, so Steven Nelson, this week, <laughs> he puts up on his Instagram account a picture of a vest and then uses profanity saying the guy wears these every day. How can you trust him? And, of course, Nick Casario wears a vest. So we all know it's about Nick. So if he's hoping to get cut, that's not the way to do it because what they would do is make sure he stays there. Uh, he played well last year. You guys saw it. But when you're that age, it's bad timing. They bring in Skill Griffin because he wasn't there. You know, they want Derek Stingley, hopefully for him. He'll stay healthy, and they won't have to move Desmond King. And Tavier Thomas played so well inside, he's got to be the slot corner. And then you got Nelson, Desmond King, Skill Griffin. They got depth. And if Nelson doesn't do anything anything else stupid on Instagram and uh, which pretty brain dead really and plays the way he played last year. Maybe he'll get another one year extension. Not going to get two or three years with big money, but one year would be good for a guy who's age. But I love watching the competition at that position. And uh, the main thing more important in that position, can Derek Stingley stay healthy? For the first time since he was freshman and played so well, people said he could play in the NFL right at that moment. Yeah, that whole situation you just described just perplexes me. Not Stingley, <laughs> the other thing with the farmer. And I can tell you this, Nick does not wear a vest every single day. He does not wear one every day, but he does wear a few. So there's that. And Johnny and I do, too. We have a video where we're both wearing vests along with Nick. All right, General, when we get let's Nick talk a little Cicero, bit about J- Hold up, yeah. Mark. When we get Nick before training camp for his first news conference with us, either he'll wear it and make a crack about it, or he doesn't, and I'm going to ask him if it's at the cleaners. That's a good point. He might actually wear one because he does have a sense of humor. All right, tell me this. J.J. Watt announced that he was working for a pharmacy chain. No, he made a mistake. He said CVS, but he meant CBS. That might have been intentional. It was funny. Whatever. It was cool. Uh, Underqualified to be a pharmacist, but certainly qualified to be on an NFL pregame show and halftime show on CBS. Your thoughts on how he's going to do with that group? 
First of all, we know he didn't make a mistake. J.J. never makes a mistake. He thinks out every single thing he does. He put it out there. He ought to start getting free drugs at CVS. He's gotten them so much publicity. Walgreens can't pay for that kind of publicity. So he's going to CBS. He said to us on the Zoom call, he was in his first year of retirement, he wanted to devote it to his family. But it was going to be an announcement soon that he's going to take a job that wouldn't take up much time. I think it'll be great. Problem is those pregame shows have way too many people on there. They have way too many people talking. Yeah. I don't want to hear from, but I want to hear from what I don't know if they gave him the most money. Don't know what kind of contract as far as years, but if it's a one year deal and he does well, which we know he will. And then if he's a free agent, everybody's going to want him. JJ is going to be 34 in March. That is young. Those pregame shows need some young people. I'm surprised. Amazon didn't get him, and this year YouTube ought to go for him. But uh, I think in a year from now or whenever he's ready to work full-time as an analyst, they're going to line up to get him. General, I, there, you mentioned it. There are a lot of guys that have gotten into the analyst world. Was there a guy that surprised you that you're like, why is that guy going into this? And then at the end you're like, wait a second, he was pretty good. Was there anybody that sort of surprised you that went into the media business um, that you thought, well, maybe he didn't talk much or – you know, it didn't say much, but all of a sudden he gets in the, the analyst world and all of a sudden opens up and you see this. Has there anybody that surprised you over the years that became an analyst on TV or on radio? Absolutely. I never thought Joe Montana would be any good, and he wasn't any good. And I never thought Troy Eggman would be good. All the Dallas media said, Troy's not going to be any good. He's he's never given us an opinion the whole time he's there. And then he's been fantastic. Nobody thought Tony Romo was going to be what he's been. And we all knew Shannon Sharp's going to be outspoken. You know, Tony Gonzalez good. We always knew Michael Strahan was going to be good. You know, I don't think – I love Tony Dungy, but he doesn't do anything for me when he's doing Sunday nights. Drew Brees, I thought Drew Brees, analytical, informative, humor, a great sense of humor. He was terrible, gone after one year. So it, it really – it, and Dan Marino, he was terrible. They said he left on his own. Sometimes uh, the lesser guys, when when uh, Tom Jackson went on ESPN with Chris Berman, they were a great pair. And I didn't. I'm thinking, how did Tom Jackson get on here? See, so guy, I think would have been great if he'd have wanted to do it. I thought Eric Winston would be great. Eric Winston was good. He was sharp. He was funny. He worked hard. He had a two-hour show on 16 back then when he was playing, but then he got caught up on the work at the union and everything and moved. But uh, there's some players like when I met Andy Kalou, first I got to know him in 05 when I started covering the Texans, and I said, man, you ought to think about radio after uh, – your career's over. I said, I'll see if I can help you at 16. You're good. I used to tell D'Amico, you got to be a coach. Never knowing he'd be a head coach, much less head coach here. And so Andy, uh, he came over to 16. He worked with us, and then he left. I don't know what happened to him. He disappeared. I've heard he's res- resurfaced. I'm not exactly sure mm-hmm. if it's come out of where he's resurfacing. But anytime Andy Kalu is involved in anything, it's going to be better. He's one of my all-time favorites, just like Eric Winston. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll say this. He's doing a podcast for us called Texans OGs, 
and he's going to get a lot of players. He's got one coming out with Big Sarge, who's in the Texans media crew, and he's going to be doing a lot more. I'm just going to put it out there that Andy Kalu is going to be doing a lot more for us, so get ready for that. Well, I didn't know if you wanted that out. Well, I'm just going to say that, and I'll say more later. It's a little tease, folks. Okay, Lloyd Howell, you brought up Eric Winston and the union and everything. The NFLPA has elected Lloyd Howell as their new executive director. What about this sort of an upset? What do you think, General? Never heard of him. Don't know, don't care. They got the <laughs> long agreement. As it gets closer to the labor deal being up, that's when we'll hear the mm-hmm. most about him. They sure kept it quiet. The rank and file had no clue. I'm assuming the executive committee knew what they were doing. And I, I didn't know DeMarcus Smith. I think he did a good job. Gene Upshaw was accused of being too close to Paul Tagliabue, the commissioner. But, you know, the players have made incredible gains for the decades. A lot of people act like poor old players, but they've made a lot of gains financially. And uh, so I think those union heads, it's a thankless job. But I think that DeMarcus Smith should be commended for the job he did. Now, this guy, he's going to have his hands full when it gets close to uh, time for the CBA extension to be up. General Mark and I were talking about this the other night. Get your opinion on this. We pulled up two. I know power rankings aren't worth the, the paper they're printed on, but they're kind of fun to talk about. But both of them that we looked at had the Texans at number 31. I'm not saying that you'll know exactly where they should be, or they're 20 or 25 or whatever the case might be. But is there any way they're one of the two worst teams in the league in 2023? Well, I don't know. Last year I thought they'd win six games and they won three. This year I've said they'll win six, and I really think they could win seven or eight because the schedule's different. It all depends on two things. Can they stop the run because they've been pathetic four years in a row, and what kind of development will C.J. Stroud make? But uh, remember how long they went. They went two drafts without first-round picks, one without a second-round pick, and Nick Casario is finally getting the house in order. But uh, one thing I know, I don't give a rat's you-know-what about anything anybody says about the Texans' rankings, where they rank talent-wise, what they think their their record will be. And the worse they're ranked, the better it should be for D'Amico and the coaches to point out what little respect they're getting. Now go out there and earn it. General, help me out with this. And it's a great sports perspective question slash thought on the Houston Astros. Here they are. I know it's not a great season for them so far. We're three months in just about. They're six games above 500. They had that win last night. Baseball's so day-to-day. There's so many games. Are people overreacting to what is not a great season right now when there's so much time left? And this very franchise, when I think about 04 and 05, where they came back from huge, horrible situations those years, especially 04 when they needed to, what, go 36-10 and 10 down the stretch to make the playoffs, and they eventually uh, won their first playoff series. Are people overreacting to them? There's plenty of time left. That's my thought. What is your thought on it? One of the things I like about my job as a columnist for Sports Radio 16, I write mostly about the Texans, but I can write about the Astros. And I wrote about them this week because they've been a huge disappointment in June. Two four-game losing streaks. They started 3-0 and and just bottomed out. 
Last night, your bullpen, which was the best in baseball last year, but has been woefully inconsistent without having the injury issues as the starting set or the regular lineup with Alvarez being out and Michael Brantley, but he hadn't played in so long, it's almost forgot about him. And uh, the bullpen last night was great. Five innings, one run. Christian Javier was terrible. The night before, Frommer Valdez, their best pitcher, he was terrible. If you can't count on your big three of Valdez, Javier, and Hunter Brown, you're going to be in trouble. So they don't have the talent. They had seven pitchers last year counting Hunter Brown. Now they've got three, and they've got uh, J.P. France, who's gone above and beyond as a 28-year-old rookie. And they got some of their best hitters have not been hitting. But last night, they got it clutch hitting they got great bullpen and if they could do that more consistently you know they they could they could win a wild card berth last year we saw how all these teams that didn't win their divisions how well they did including the phillies who took the astros to six games in the world series and uh is that your question mark i've always believed that if a team does well you praise them you say why if they do poorly and you criticize them, and you say why. Now, in football, you do it game to game. To me, in baseball, it's like week to week. I have so many people will email me and say, you're so negative. Look what, you know, they're the defending world champions. I say, yeah, what does that have to do with this season? It might help them in the playoffs, the experience, and the big three pitchers, if they're better and more consistent, that'll help them a lot. But right now, I don't think it's unfair to criticize them when they deserve it. All right, General, thanks so much for the time, as always. And we look forward to reading your stuff on SportsRadio610.com and hearing you and the Hutopia podcast. Thanks so much. Thank you guys very much, as always. All right, coming up, who's better? Let's do it. We have division stuff. We have Texans position group stuff. And also the Rockets make an appearance in who's better. It's all coming up here on Texans Radio. Texans All Access continues in a moment. Back to the show that keeps you plugged in with the Houston Texans. Oh, yeah, we're keeping it going with who's better. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you live on Texans Radio here. Johnny, who's better? Let's start here. Who's better, Titans D or Jags D? And I'm going to go fully healthy as the caveat there. And last year, yardage-wise, let's get to this here. Last year, and I know things change year to year, Blah, blah, blah. We know this. The Colts had the best defense yardage-wise, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't know that right off the top of my head, followed by the Titans, Jaguars, and the Texans. But in scoring defense, it was a different story. The Jags got the nod there, that all-important. You know, points scored tends to be a very important statistic in sports uh, and points allowed. And they allowed the fewest in the AFC South, followed by the Titans, and the Colts, and then the Houston. Actually, the Texans were slightly ahead of the Colts by point four of a point, less than half a point, but they did it. Anyway, your thoughts. Who's better, Titans D or Jags D? I think about it this way. Which defense scares me more? Like when we're getting ready for a game, I'm thinking, all right, which, which one scares me more? And it's the mm. Titans. The Titans, especially okay. because of up front. I think the Jaguars front, front four, He's good. I mean, I think Trayvon Walker will be – I was actually talking to some guys in Jacksonville today, and 
they're pretty excited about what Trayvon Walker can do in the second year. And I, I agree. I think Trayvon Walker is going to be uh, a handful this year. Uh, maybe not early, but I think he starts to kind of get it uh, as the year goes on. So hopefully we get him in week three, and then we'll get him at home later in the year. But I think the Jags, are, I mean, Josh Allen on the outside, solid player. I don't think he's ever become the elite guy they've wanted, but he's a good player, solid player. Ray Robertson Harris, I think, is very good. Uh, I think he's underrated. I think the linebackers, uh, Aluakun is tremendous. Um, he's he was tremendous, but I think beyond that, I don't. I'm like, all right, I'm not really scared of anybody. The Titans front with Autry, Tier Tart, Jeffrey Simmons, a healthy Harold Landry. <sighs> that front ate our lunch in Houston. Ate our lunch, and let's be honest, they ate our lunch in the second game too. It's just that the defense held up, made Tennessee make some mistakes, and took advantage of them, um, and then did just enough in the fourth quarter throwing the football so they could get away from that front. Mm. But I think the Titans' front scares me more than anything. Um, And I do think the Jaguars' secondary is solid, but I think the Titans' secondary is just okay. But it's that front. It's those four guys up front. Man, they they just – they worry and scare me more than anything else. So I'm going to go Titans – because that front is that good. All right. Who's better? Better improvement for the Houston Texans. Offense or defense? Both last year, I know we have new players here, but both last year finished near the bottom of the league. Defense slightly better than the offense. I'll simplify it that way for radio purposes. Who's going to have more improvement this year? Texans offense or Texans defense? I think it's going to end up being the defense. And... I feel like last year there were some moments. I mean, there were probably, what, two or three games after Malik Collins got hurt where teams just ran the ball whenever they wanted to. I don't think that's happening this year, whether Malik's in the lineup or not. I think with Sheldon Rankins, I think with Hassan Ridgeway, uh, I thought Roy Lopez played his best football the second half of the year. I thought the defense was much better the second half of the year. Or I should say probably after Malik got back, after he had been injured. Um I felt like the defense got better. It wasn't great. I thought the tackling was not so good, especially in the secondary. Um, and I think Jalen Petrie cleans up his tackles. He's got Jimmy Ward next to him who can do a lot of different things. Sting playing 17 games is going to be big. I think it's easier for a defense to kind of find its high-water mark earlier than the offense. I think that the offense will start to really show signs of life the second half of the year. And I, I think first half of the year, it's going to be some bumps and because <laughs> the schedule is not that easy either. Um, play Ravens week one. You've got Colts at home week two. Go to Jacksonville week three. Week four is Pittsburgh. Uh, it's not an easy way to start. So I expect them to have some hiccups. But look, defense, if you play the scheme and you play it hard and you bend your back and you, you know, you uh, kind of bow your neck a little bit once you get in the red zone and force me to kick field goals, okay, defensively it can look a little different uh, than it did last year. I think this defense is going to do more than that. I think it's going to be more than a more than a bend but don't break defense. I think it's going to be a playmaking type of defense. But maybe not at first. But I think they will hit their stride sooner than the offense will. And I think that's just natural. But I just think with this group, I feel like that's kind of the way the defense will go. Um, so I'm going to go defense making strides quicker than the offense. Okay, who's better? Better chance to make the playoffs, the Texans or the Rockets? 
And we don't know who the Rockets are adding, so you just have to go on the fly here, big boy. What do you got? Better chance to make the playoffs. Houston Texans or Houston Rockets? Well, I think just percentages would say the Rockets because – you know the play-in game is that playoffs? I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's postseason, I guess. Oh yeah. So yeah, I guess, yeah. you've got a better mathematical opportunity to make it with the Rockets. But I was talking, so I was talking to a buddy of mine today. Had lunch with a couple of guys, uh, my two favorite Dons in the world, and I was talking with them, and they were asking me, and I was like, you know, they basically said, "How are they different from last year?" And I started going through different things. Okay, well, I think. I think they'll have better offensive play all across the board. I think the offensive line will be better. I think defensively they'll be much better. Um, they've added pieces here, here, here. I think coaching with the Meek, starting with the Miko, I think that's going to be better. Overall talent's better. And then, last and certainly not least, the schedule's never easy, and it's never easier, better. But I just look at the schedule on paper and think that's not last year's schedule. Last year's schedule was brutal. You look at the home games this year, mm. Broncos. Cardinals, division games. Now, you didn't win any division games at home last year, but you won them all on the road. And they're division teams, so they shouldn't really scare you. I don't know if there's anybody at the home schedule I look at and go, oh, yeah, they frighten me. No one. Now, Bengals, Ravens, okay, yeah, Jets, potentially. Those teams on the road, okay, that's going to be tough. What's on the road? On the road is tough, and then you throw in the fact they're the best teams, um, you know, 3 to 10, Jacksonville, whatever. But the home schedule, man. You got an opportunity. Saints and Bucks. I mean, you've got a really good opportunity here at home to really kind of make a statement like, hey, you come into our place, you're not going to do well. You know, and you play nine games at home. So, you know, if you get hot at home yep. and you get to a point where the home field advantage is working for you, hey, you got an opportunity to turn this thing around. So, I, and look, you got to get to the seven seed. What's that, nine and eight? Whatever the wild card is going to be. Just get it. Just have a chance to get in the dance. But I think mathematically, I think it's the Rockets. So we'll see what they do in free agency. Fred Van Vliet, we'll see. Brooke Lopez, maybe. Uh, maybe they got a maybe they got a deal mm-hmm. up their sleeve. We'll see. But Ime Adoka, Ime Adoka and D'Amico Ryan's coming in to coach these two teams is one of the best things that's happened to these cities teams it's in awesome. a long time. It it's was awesome. it was good to have those two come. It's in. great. It is great. And by the way, for those listeners who are sports radio listeners, Harden did pick up the option. Trades being explored now with Harden and the Sixers. All right, who's better? You and Drew Doherty did an in the lab, and I'm very upset that I wasn't included in this, drafting (laughs) movie athletes for the Houston Texans. But I'll go here. Who's better? Better movie quarterback. And I'll go at the high school level to keep it even. Sunshine from Remember the Titans or Jonathan Moxon in Varsity Blues, who was a backup but obviously did great things once he got in there. So you tell me who's the better quarterback. Okay, you got to give the leadership angle to Moxon. Um, better in the huddle. Okay. You got to give Moxie mm-hmm. calm poise to Sunshine. Overall throwing ability right. goes to Mox. Option running ability goes to Sunshine. I think overall athletic ability has got to be a big check mark, maybe two for Sunshine. So I'm going to go, because I was always an option guy, even though Jonathan Moxon did go to Brown and I should be on his side, I'm not on this one. I'm going Sunshine over Mox all day, every day. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm with you too. I mean, he's such a good athlete, right? And he could throw a ball across a field and hit somebody in the back. 
if he needs to. Yes. So that's a good yes. skill to have as well. That's that's a good. All right. So Mac Davis in North Dallas forty or Willie Beeman? No, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. Yeah, I mean, I did you see? My initial my initial reaction is to go with the gunsling. They're both kind of gunslinger-ish. Mac Davis was boy, he was he was good. I'd probably go with Mac Davis on this one. Longer (laughs) stretch, longer stretch of being successful than Willie Beeman. Willie Beeman just had a run, you know. I mean, how many quarterbacks have we seen in the NFL? They had a run, you know, six seven games. Jimmy Garoppolo in 2017 had a six game run. You know, Willie Beeman had his run, but long term. That was Mac Davis. I'm going Mac Davis. All right, that's an old movie, North Dallas 40. My gosh, 1979. <laughs> that is ancient. I mean, yeah. it, it, all these other sports movies are old enough. The sports movie genre is not the same as it was. It's evolved. It's changed. Everything does. But uh, we love those movies like Remember the Titans, Varsity Blues. The list is endless. All right, let's do this next and talk about the division hits that happened today and who took it the worst, and also how J.J. might do with that CBS crew, time-permitting, it's Texans Radio. More Texans Radio is on the way. We return to Texans All Access. All right, Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you. John, are you with me that Petit Ferrer out for six weeks for the Titans is kind of a big deal, really, considering their offensive line issues. It's almost as if... Look, Cam Robinson is no picnic for the Jags to lose him for four games with the PED suspension, but I feel like they might be able to absorb that more than the Titans, who really need to get off to a good start and establish something up front with the O-line. And having no Petit Ferrer there for six weeks is a big factor. I agree. I don't think Petit Ferrer was great last year. I was not, I've was not. i never been a big fan of his. Even when he's coming out of Ohio State, uh, there was a part of me sort of glad he ended up in Tennessee because – I thought in due time the Texans would take advantage of him. But that offensive line is kind of slim pickings as it is. I mean, they drafted Skaronsky, but I think he'll play guard now. They may move him out to tackle um, because because um, because Petit Ferrer is not there. But they went and got Daniel Brunsko at guard. They went and got Andre Dillard uh, at left tackle. Um, they'll probably go with Brewer at center, and they probably felt good with Skronsky at guard and Petit Ferrer on the outside. They probably felt okay about that. It's not the world's greatest line, but they probably felt okay about that. But it's kind of razor thin. They've got nothing from Dylan Radons. They drafted Jalen Duncan. So, I don't know. I think Skronsky probably moves out to tackle or stays out of right tackle, and then they they wait on Petit Ferrer, and maybe that works out for them because maybe Skronsky should just stay at tackle. I don't know, but I just feel like, A, they do not have elite talent on an offensive line. B, they don't have much depth at all. So I think it could be it could be tough going, and I'm okay with that. I think that's big. I think Cam Robinson mm-hmm. for four games is just as big. Uh, but they they have kind of a, a safety net. They drafted Anton Harrison to be their starting tackle at some point. They have Walker Little, who was a second rounder a few years ago, who went to Houston to Episcopal over in Bel Air. Um, he's you know that much more removed from the injuries he's had his career. And when he's healthy, he can be special. So I think the Jaguars are probably better suited to handle the loss of those those tackles than the Titans are. I think the Titans are they're going to get him back after six games. But man, wow, this is this, this is one of those times I wish we could catch the Titans a lot earlier than we were catching them. To be honest, 
Yep, of course. It's late in the season, both those matchups with the Tennessee Titans. Texans 5-1 and one on the road in the division in the last two years in one of those weird stats, despite the fact that they only won three games last year, <laughs> four games the year before, and four the year before that. Okay, J.J. in the CBS studio show. Good place for him. Would you rather see him doing games? I mean, he's going to get to pick what he wants to do, and that's what he picked. What are your thoughts on it? What John said it best. He's 34 years old. So he's a lot younger than than you and I. So he can try things on for size. You know, he can try the studio show. And if it's like, eh, you know, I think I think Chris Collinsworth did that, didn't he? Didn't he start in the studio show and then it was like, eh, you know, put me on the put me on the sure. road, put me in the booth. Uh, and he started doing games, and Chris Collinsworth has turned into one of the um, one of the voices that you know we hear on a national level each and every Sunday. And he's he's been very very good at it. So. I think JJ will try try things out and and how it goes. Does he like being in the studio show? Is he Here's the thing with the studio show. He's he's not going to get much time. He, I mean, th- those shows are, you know, they've cut those shows a little bit, which they needed to. But you've got, you know, JB setting everything up, then you got, you know, Bill Cower, then you've got Phil Sims, you got Nate Burleson, and now you throw JJ in the mix. So, how tough is it to be yep. able to say anything? You know, you and I can go for an hour and we get it all out. They're going to be on for an hour, and JJ's going to have like 30 things that he wanted to say. So he might be better suited. They don't want you to hold it too long either. Right. So they, he might be better suited to go into the, uh, you know, the, the game broadcasting booth. But you know, we'll see. I think he could be great at both. Um, I think his humor could lend towards being really good in the studio show for sure. But I think eventually if he wanted to do games, I think he would be very, very good um, in breaking things down. Looking at life from a lineman's perspective, which we don't have a lot of those. We don't have a lot of those. And that's what made John Madden. John Madden was revered because he would talk about the lineman. He would talk about the big fat guys and what they were going through because that's what he was. Maybe J.J. could be that kind of guy to say, hey, take a look at the big fat guys a little differently than you were used to. And maybe people will be you know, endeared to, to J.J. in the same way. But start out with the studio show, see how it goes. And then uh, move on to move on to the uh, game booth because I think that's where he's going to eventually end up, anyways. Boy, you make a good point, and so did John about not being able to talk for long because I did a preseason show once, and I think McLean was on it too. But it was an out of town group doing it in Houston somehow. They were contracted out by mm-hmm. it might have been KHOU, and they were drilling us on you've got twelve seconds to make this point, right. twelve seconds. And we would start talking, and if you had it at 20, it was still too long. And that's what those shows are like. They want quick comments. we got to go to break. It's really aggravating, I think, as opposed to if he was on Pat McAfee, you could just stretch out and say whatever you want. you got two, three hours to say everything you need to say. So it's a good point you make. The money's going to be fantastic for him, and we'll see what he ultimately does. He's got a lot of choices to make. So I'm looking forward to seeing him there, and I'm looking forward to seeing him when the Texans take on the Steelers. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's going to be interesting that day. I don't know how the Texans are going to do the ceremony with TJ and maybe Derek there too, but certainly TJ at the half. Does TJ go in the locker room? I bet he would, so I'm not sure how they're going to handle everything, maybe do something pregame, but I am here for it. All right, we're also here for a show tomorrow, 
And next week, a lot of fun shows. Got a lot of good audio coming up. Among the highlights for next week, Texans Town Hall meeting that took place June 7th. We've got the audio, and you're going to want to hear it. And it's on next week on Texans All Access. I'll set up the day for you. We also have Voices of the AFC South, the other three play-by-play announcers, and I got together at the Combine, and it's evergreen stuff. It's going to be fun to listen to next week as well. Thank you, Johnny, and thank you, Jace and Chris, for helping us get on the air today. Have a great night, everyone. This show is going to be on podcast soon enough. Go Texans!